Opinions expressed on the program are those of the show hosts, producers, and or the persons appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of KPFK and Pacifica Radio. Liberated. Freed. Released. Free from traditional social restraints. Sisters. Girls or women who share a common ancestry, allegiance, character, or purpose with another or others. Fellow black women or girls. Coming live from KPFK Studios, this is Liberated Sisters. I am Angela Birdsong, sitting in for Sister Charlene Muhammad. You know she got her pumps on the ground, right? Well, we have a riveting show for you today. Do you know the name Rashim Carter? Do you know what happened to Rashim Harder, Carter? Well, let me tell you, missing and murdered in Mississippi which is the title of the article by our Liberated Sisters guest, Brother William Muhammad, contributing writer to the Final Call newspaper. My question to our listening audience, because we're taking calls today, my question to you guys, Rashim Carter's severed head and other body parts were found in different locations and some parts not found. Is this foul play? Or not. The local authorities, the Smiths County Sheriff's Department, said no reason for suspect to, to suspect foul play in Carter's death. No foul play. What do you say, Liberated Sisters listeners? Call us at 818-985-5735. That's 818-985-KPFK. As Brother William Muhammad unfolds this horrific story with us today. Here is Rasheem Carter press conference to get us started. This was a nefarious act. This was an evil act. Somebody murdered Rasheem Carter. And we cannot let them get away with this. And so today, we are calling for the Department of Justice to open an investigation as to what happened to Rasheem Carter. Somebody seen what happened to Rasheem. And it doesn't make any sense at all because the text message that his mother got before he went missing is a part of the clue to solving this murder. And it's, it has to be investigated. Do you want to read it to me? We can be opposite Okay. This was on uh, October the 1st. My son texted me. This was after uh, him and I had gotten off the phone. He said, me and the owner of this company not seeing eye to eye, mom. His name, which I can't say at this time, but if anything happened to me, he's responsible for it. I'm too smart, mama. He got these guys wanting to kill me. And that's what he sent to me. And then he went missing. And then his remains were found with his head dismembered from his body, his spinal cord separated from his head, and his other body parts are still missing. Tiffany deserves answers. This community deserves answers. Justice for Rasheen Carter. Justice for Rasheen Carter. Justice for Rasheen Carter. Justice for Rasheen Carter. Seven feet. Barren, strange fruit. 
blood on the leaves And blood at the roots Black bodies swinging in the southern breeze Strange fruit hanging From the poplar trees Pastoral scene of the gallant south them big bulging eyes and the twisted mouth scent of magnolia clean and fresh Then the sudden smell of burning flesh Here is a fruit For the crows to pluck The rain together for the wind to suck for the sun to rot for the Welcome to Liberator Sisters, Rasheem Carter. Now you have some more facts, but we're going to have the story unfold with us today with our guest, Brother William Muhammad, contributing writer to the Final Call newspaper. Brother Muhammad, welcome to Liberator Sisters. Thank you, and uh, I'm honored to have the opportunity to speak on your show. Yes. How did you, how did this story get assigned to you? How did, how did it become um, um, an assignment within the Final Call newspaper and landed on your desk? Yes, ma'am. Well, uh, I was notified by my editor and from uh, contacts I have in Mississippi that uh, there was an incident in early October, around the 1st of October, where this young man, uh, Rasheem Rael Carter, 25 years old, a good young man, uh, a skilled uh, technician, if you will. He was a, uh, a welder and a millwright who got a contract to work for a company in Taylorville, Mississippi. Um, his vehicle broke down and was dependent on a ride uh, between a motel where he was staying in Laurel, Mississippi, uh, to get to his job in Taylorsville, which was about maybe 30 miles away. And what happened was he had a disagreement, an alleged disagreement with uh, his boss or someone who was in supervision and expressed concerns with his mother over the phone uh, when he didn't have transportation. And he went missing on October 1st, roundabout, uh, having his mother on his cell phone at the time, and he spoke of three pickup truck loads of white men who wanted to harm him. And while doing so, his mother said, well, go to the police station and see if you can't get help there. 
she told me, the mother, that she had he was he had the speakerphone on, so she heard a lot of what was going on, and with and he was turned away from the police station. They told him basically, we can't do anything for you. This is outside our jurisdiction. We're not a taxi service, etc. And from that night to the second night, it's not clear where he stayed, but we do know that his mother told him to drop his location via cell phone and that she would send a friend to pick him up. Mind you, the mother was in Pennsylvania at the time talking with him over the phone. Uh, he's originally from Fayette, Mississippi. She had a friend look for him, but he was nowhere to be found upon arriving in, uh, in that area. And his body was discovered a month later, uh, around November 2nd, I believe. And the body was taken in the name of being under investigation and held for four months by the Smith County Sheriff's Department or through their county coroner's office, and then the Mississippi Bureau of Investigation. When the story came out from the final call, it was shortly thereafter that the mother was allowed to see the body, and it was released finally uh, for a funeral in Fayette, Mississippi. And the rest, as you know, is history regarding... Um, Benjamin Crump speaking out, the photos being, some of the photos being made public. And of course, now it's taken traction nationally and internationally even uh, for demanding justice. And I would like to say that the song originally written by Billie Holiday, Strange Fruit, is more than appropriate and should make us reflect a solemn reflection uh, over the seriousness of this alleged crime. Uh, and you pointed out in the intro that the sheriff uh, said that there were no signs of foul play, but according to a, a, a recent article that came out uh, yesterday, uh, the sheriff has reversed saying that it's possible now. So there appears to be some kind of tap dancing in the local area, if you will, on changing stories and narratives that opens more questions and answers. This story, um, it, you know, it breaks everyone's heart. It, it reminds us how much, how, how, how hated we are in some parts of this country more so than 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 others and and how people have the um just the boldness to do something like this to another human being and you know, so you know we we know he's working in Taylorsville Mississippi and just from my my prep for for today's um um discussion Taylorsville is an all white um community and considered a sundown town and it is mm-hmm. yes it is a heavily white community um local activists have informed me that is there's active clan there as well as in Laurel, and it's a very hostile area for many people who are familiar with the area. And um, they've even gone on to say that uh, don't be caught there after dark. And uh, there's a climate of fear reflective of, you know, the pre-civil rights era, if you will. And you could even go back to 1915, for that matter, uh, when many of our people fled the South uh, on the heels of uh, with, with, well, for lack of uh, proper language, chased out through terrorist actions and ethnic cleansing, to put it in the modern language. And there is a hostility, a vicious hostility toward black people 
uh, in that area, and you know many others, because we can't just limit it to the South. Um, it's just about everywhere you go. We saw what happened to George Floyd in Minneapolis. We saw what happened in New York. Uh, we saw we see these incidents everywhere. We can even look at California with Oscar Grant back in few years back uh, on the BART station um, in the Bay Area. So there are many, many uh, issues of uh, racist violence still going on, even at our own hands toward one another. I mean, we saw the incident with the police in Memphis, for example, that extreme hatred for self that uh, comes from if I may be so bold, a colonized mind, but that does not excuse the hideous nature of this horrendous uh, and gruesome death that this young man suffered. And it, it goes back to the trophies, you know, being taken from bodies. You know, where are the body parts? His body was found dismembered. And there are other allegations uh, that I'm not at liberty to speak about right now because I don't want in any way, shape, or form to uh, undermine the uh, the legal case and the investigation that's going on. But I will say that uh, if the truth of this story was really known, if I may quote the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan and other issues, it would make a brass monkey shed tears. I just had to take a, a, a deep breath there. So Taylorsville, Mississippi, sundown town. He was staying in Laurel, Mississippi, which is 30 miles from Taylorsville. And, you know, so when I read that in your article, um, your, your article, um, The Family Demands Answers and Disappearance and Death of Rashim Carter, that was published on February 7th, 2023. And if if anybody, if you guys are listening, the article came out in February 7th, 2023. I just found out about Rashim Carter a few days ago when Sister Charlene Muhammad told me this is what we were going to be talking about today. So some of you guys, I know this is the first time you're hearing about this. And so in, in your article, Brother Muhammad, you know, when you said that he was staying at the Super 8 Motel in Laurel, Mississippi, about 30 miles from Taylorsville, I was thinking, well, why is he staying 30 miles from, you know, from, from, from the workplace? And so, you know, I looked up Smith County. You know, there's four towns in Smith County, really um, five. One, one is the... One is considered a village, <laughs> so that tells you how even smaller that that town is in in its in its population. But yeah. Taylorsville is the most populous and is predominantly white. But Laurelville, that is in another county, I believe is Jones County, and that town Laurel is predominantly black. So that so that's why he was staying in Laurel County and had to get to work for Taylorsville, and then skedaddle. It, it certainly appears that way. Um, when I spoke to the mother, again, the issue was he had his own vehicle, but it broke down. And I would like to just say that um, Rasheem Carter was 25 years old, uh, very loved and respected in his hometown, which is also majority black in Fayette. He owned a restaurant that had to shutter during COVID, and he was trying to earn extra money to reopen his restaurant, which was very popular. And imagine a 25-year-old man opening a seafood restaurant, and he named it after his daughter, uh, who's, um, who's now without a father. And he loved his daughter. He loved his family. He was devoted to them all. Everyone had positive things to say about him, including the uh, the local authorities, the police in Fed. They loved him as well. They thought he was a great person. They had nothing negative to say about him. But again, uh, stereotypes and this blind hatred of young black people, young black men, 
there was just no justification whatsoever. I mean, murder, of course, is wrong, and and I have to say alleged murder, but he was definitely killed. Oh, yes. Uh, according to the evidence, and uh, to take into consideration the weight that the mother is carrying, and I have to say that she is the strongest woman I have spoken to in a long time to endure the pain of her son and not getting answers. Just imagine for four months they refused to let her see the body or to even release the body or give her any straight answers about what was going on. She went to Jackson and they wouldn't allow her to see the body there either saying that, oh, we need some paper and we don't have that paper and we have to sign it. But that could have been done. So it smell, the, the, the smell of cover-up is all over this. And I just pray that the, uh, that the authorities, whoever they may be, hopefully the, the federal government, will really do a serious investigation into what is going on with this. But we know there's God's justice. Uh, we've always had an issue with justice and control of narratives and cover-ups in this country, unfortunately, uh, or the use of euphemisms to tone down the seriousness of an issue while engaging in hyperbole to talk about, you know, how bad young black people are, for example. But enough of that. We want, according to the family, they want justice. They want justice, and the black community demands justice, and we have to overcome the fear to stand up, shine the light, and demand justice, because this has to stop. As the family said, and as the mother has said, enough is enough. Right, and so um, so that the listening audience know, you have talked directly to Rasheem Carter's mother, Tiffany Carter, Yes. And, you know, and, and then one of your colleagues and she she echoes exactly what what you said. Um, um, Starlin Muhammad in her article, who's a managing editor for The Final Call, mm-hmm. said that, you know, she exemplified godly strength as she continues to find out what happened to her her son. And, you know, we we all know, you know, some of us know what grief looks like. You know, we know what grief feels like uh, when you lose a loved one and you can lose a loved one, you know, various manners. But in a violent, horrific and you have no answers, no answers and and being on a wild goose chase. I believe one of one of the articles said said um, use that term. But that, but that she has to make calls. She got to show up for protests. She got to talk to to the to the press. She got to talk to the attorneys. She has to talk to law enforcement. And I can't even imagine speaking to the Smiths County Sheriff's Department, who initially said, "No foul play. There's no reason to even suspect any foul play," when they know. When they know the demographics, when they know that they that they are sundown. So when, when so uh, you know, I'm I'm just going to throw this question out there, brother Muhammad. When, when you when you know your town is a sundown town, don't you know what's going what you what, what your plan what what your plans are when people are caught after sundown? I agree, and it also calls into question what role, if any, and what relationship did uh, the local law enforcement have uh, with the company or with the uh, supervisor or exactly persons there, especially when he said that he was being chased by three truckloads of white men wanting to harm him. Uh, I think if this would happen in any other community, and I, I can only imagine how uh, the response from law enforcement would be if there was a truckload, three truckloads of black men chasing a white man. I'm sure there would be more uh, response from the local law enforcement. 
So it calls into question many things, and they need to be investigated to the fullest. To the you know? fullest, to the fullest, to the fullest. You, you know, and when, when we look at, um, you know, the pop, the population of Taylorsville is 1,148 people. Okay, okay, everybody who's listening right now, you guys are in Los Angeles, we're in Southern California. 1,148 people, that, some, some places, that's just one city block. So you and know. Yes, and it's the type of town where everyone knows everyone, so someone knows something. Exactly, exactly, right. You guys, we're taking calls, 818-985-5735, 818-985-5735. I know you have something to say about this. I see we have a caller coming in right now. On, on line two, um, I'll, I'll let our board engineer window screen screen that call, but you guys call in 818-985-5735. It's not that often that you have someone who spoke with the family, spoke with the mother about her son and what's, and what's going on. So, um, Brother Muhammad, you also spoke with some other people. Um, in the yes. in the town in the town of T- Taylorsville, um, tell us about those conversations and who and who those people are that are in support of of the family. And did you speak to anybody who is not in support of the family, like the police um, department? I can't say whether or not they're in support or not in support, but I will say that I got the standard. It's under investigation. We have no comment to make. You'll have to refer it to the Smith County Sheriff. And, of course, when I called the Smith County Sheriff, uh, they never returned my call whatsoever. Uh, I was referred to the sheriff, given his phone number, called, but there was no reply at all. Um, Of course, when I then went to the Mississippi Bureau of Investigation, uh, I was told that uh, this is under investigation. We have no comments to make at this time. So the standard answer of that regarding law enforcement uh, regarding activists, um, there is a very courageous m- young man there in Mississippi uh, by the name of Marquel Bridges, and uh, he has been taking up the cause of many, many families throughout Mississippi to include the killing of a 15-year-old in Gulfport and other incidents that happened around the Jackson area. Um and just throughout the state for that for the for that part uh missing black women who've been murdered and still to this date no answer i think it was six black women in one particular uh town so all of these are investig- under investigation by activists and even uh uh sister wendy muhammad of the new black panther party i've spoken with her and she's given me some insights as well and we hope to continue uh, following up uh, with what's going on in Mississippi because Mississippi is still burning. Reference to the film, of course, but I think you understand what I mean. Oh, yes. We talk about history, but, you know, we're living this now. It's not a black and white movie from or a black and white documentary from the 50s. This is now. And um, we have to come out of our slumber as a people and understand that we must be more sober than the judge. There's no time for foolishness, playing, and partying. Our lives are at stake. And if we don't care about self, nobody else will. And when we begin standing up for ourselves, speaking on behalf of the oppressed and those lacking justice, uh, and being respectful to our mothers, our sisters, our wives, our children, our girls, our women, you know, all of this is very important because when we start to show that we care about self as a whole, then we'll have less instance, instances of things like this, although there's no way to excuse this evil. And it is, as Benjamin Crump said, an evil act. Uh, and quite frankly, a 21st century lynching um, from my perspective, but We'll see what the investigation uncovers, but we know what we know. 
Yes. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, pace, pace myself so that we can unfold who Rasheem Carter is, who he was, um, entrepreneur. And I, I see that the name of his restaurant was Cali's Express. You said it was named right, after named after his daughter. After his daughter. That's right. Right, and that he opened that when he was twenty years old. Mm-hmm. Twenty years old. And was very well loved and respected in his community. If all reports, uh, well raised, well, uh, just a good young person, a good young man who loved his mother, loved his child, loved his family. And uh, unfortunately, paid with his life because of the hatred of a few, or many. We don't know. Or many, right? Because when he said that there were um, three truckloads, three truckloads. So, okay, so we have some callers. We have some callers on hold. I said we have callers in um, lines two, three, and and four. Um, I'm going to let Wendell um, screen those calls real quick for us before. But just hold on, hold on and keep calling 818-985-5735 because we do want to hear, want to hear from you. Now, um, Brother Muhammad, when when you and I were um, speaking yesterday, you came up with a word that I had never heard of before. Epigenetic trauma. Epigenetic trauma. Explain that to our listening off uh, audience. Yes, there's a theory in psychology, and I tend to think it's more real than not, and that is when a people or a person, just imagine it like a collective Stockholm Syndrome, if you will, uh, when a people have been oppressed or done wrong for year after year, decade after decade, century after century, and have adapted to that, as creatures adapt through what it, what is commonly thought of as evolution, there seems to be a mental and spiritual form adaptation as well that affects DNA, where trauma conditions the person to adapt. And in certain places of the country, such as Mississippi and Arkansas and Alabama, these places that suffered horrendous, you know, where black people suffered horrendous abuse, uh, it has manifested itself centuries later to avoid, to in fear, not want to get involved, to, to just dodge certain things that are painful and difficult, and even internalize the mindset of the oppressor. And so we see self-hatred manifesting, uh, which is, interestingly enough, that case uh, in Memphis with the police officers and another one uh, in Virginia that just happened inside of a mental hospital or some type of mental institution where these people beat a black man to death who was restrained. and this passes down generation to generation, you know, the conspiracy of low expectations, for example. Why is it that a young black man would want to refer to himself with the N-word and it be a term of endearment when you don't see this in other communities? And the manifestation of pain through how we relate with one another it is so deeply ingrained, unfortunately, generation after generation, it has literally altered our, not just thinking, but I would even go so far as to say our DNA, the level of stress. You know, why is it that we are the greatest victims of uh, cancer? High blood pressure. Heart disease, high blood pressure, all of these things. But you can take people of the same racial stock, shall we say, uh, that don't suffer this in other places in the world. Uh, We've uh, been literally remade and redefined 
in a hostile environment, and therefore our very bodies are turning against us. So it's time to be re-educated. And I say that not in a not in a disrespectful way, but we must be re-educated and made, re- made new again, if you will, through learning the knowledge of self and loving self and treating one another with respect and honor. Because as we do that, other people will not do that. You know, if we don't respect self, no one else will respect us. And we must uh, overcome the hatred and disrespect of self. We need to stop calling our sisters the B word. We need to stop calling one another the N word and think that that doesn't uh, poison the society in which we live, which just continues and compounds the evil. Right, but the tongue, the tongue can bless and the tongue can curse, for sure. Okay, let let's take. Um, I, oh, I think we have Sister Charlene on hold. Um, Wendell, let's let's bring in one of the callers. If one of the callers is Sister Charlene, let's bring her in first. And everybody, keep calling. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I see you guys calling. I see you on hold. Okay, so let's just take caller number two. Let's take caller number two. Lafayette, good morning. Good morning. What, what's your name, sir, and where are you calling from, and what do you have to say to us this morning? Yeah, I'm out of Los Angeles, and uh, I want now that we know that law enforcement is uh, fully in effect in murdering black folks, uh, how do we go about... Um, getting it together where brothers in the streets are going to uh, notice that uh, this is real. This is no more uh, 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 kid stuff no more. I mean, uh, you know, running up and down the street, low riding and all that type of stuff. Playtime is over. Uh, now that we know law enforcement is, is, is behind a lot of this stuff uh, without giving away too much, what would you suggest here in Los Angeles that black men should do? Very good. Very, very good question. I know that uh, one of one of um, our reoccurring guests that we used to have on Liberated Sisters, um, attorney Nana Jumphy, who um, is the executive director of Baji um, Black Alliance for Just Immigration and excellent criminal defense attorney. She created an organization called Justice Warriors. And within that organization, it would teach you how to handle law enforcement, how to handle being in a protest, almost like what they was what was done during the early civil rights uh, movement. And I say early civil rights movement because we're still in a civil rights movement. Um, but during the early civil rights movement, when you they had to prepare the protesters. Um, to be called names, to be spit at, to to be pushed, shoved, um, dogs sicked on them, and what have you. So it's 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 like we have to we have to remember how to we have to learn how to do those things again. We have to we I think I think when we moved when we migrated from the south to the north and 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 to and to the and to the west, brother Muhammad, you probably can help me with this. Um, we we kept forgetting to tell our stories on why we left the South and what was happening in the South and, and, and how you had to carry yourself in hostile environments. If if you know you live in a town and, and the police are not friendly, then at some point you have to, you have to act right. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying that, that we have to not be who we are. You know, if, if you, you know, some, some of us, some of us, um, like to, you know, act out in a certain ways and what have you. And I'm not talking about criminal, um, behavior. I'm just talking about just being who you are, just being free, being free as a, as a black person in your neighborhood, a black person in your community, a black person traveling throughout the United States or throughout the world. But, Sometimes we have to taper ourselves to make sure, is this a safe environment for me? And I don't know if our young people, if, if, if our young people know how to, how to do that. Sister Charlene, I think you somewhere on hold. Jump in, jump in, please. 
If I may add quickly. Yes, Brother Muhammad. On the power of narratives. Hello. Oftentimes the narratives that we seek are quote-unquote approved narratives. But I would like us to also entertain that this whole spectrum battle here. So you have some people that make the political angle. You have may, you may have some people that work the legal angle. You have some people that work the activism uh, level. But we need all hands on deck, and we also need to adjust our thinking uh, where we go beyond the former mindset of, you know, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Because let's be honest, there are also opportunists uh, that want to take advantage of the problem to line their own pockets. This happens too, you know. Cool mm-hmm. this out and we'll give you a grant. Cool this out and we'll, you know, endorse your program, etc. But we have to love enough to unite because our unity, as the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said, is more powerful than an atomic bomb. We have to keep ego out of it. We have to stop the set tripping over religion, uh, or the lack thereof for that matter, and understand that there is a common fight. And that common fight is freedom for freedom, justice, and equality. And when we unite under that banner, saying, look, we need to raise our level of respect. We don't need to demand respect we must command respect right it's that part that's that's it brother muhammad right 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 we have to carry ourselves in a respectful manner yes and that's not going to guarantee everyone no it's not right but it will show that i may think twice before i make a move on this community or this individual and it may show that i will think twice before i'm openly disrespectful or you know whatnot but look at what this young man was doing as an example in his hometown. He was very loved in his hometown because he was productive. He was respectful. He carried himself in a respectful manner and received respect in return. Well, this won't stop the enemy from doing what an enemy is determined to do. Right, because evil's just going to do what evil is going to do. Sister Charlene, you're in. Come on and speak up. Assalamu alaikum, peace and blessings. How are you all? Thank you so much for being with us, Brother uh, William. Thank you for taking my call, Angela. I'm at work, but I also really had to call in because, um, you know, I appreciate what has been said so far. The civil rights movement, and thank Allah God for it and for all of those under the helm of Dr. Martin Luther King and many, many, many more. If we began to call the role, we'd go into the entire day at KPFK. But it, it has it's had its place. Um, however, it, if it was productive today, we, then we would see the changes. Um, this is my own opinion, of course. And the reason I say that is because we have to know the time. I mean, that this young entrepreneur this young brother, hardworking, was just trying to get to his workplace and says that there are three truckloads of goons following him to harm him. I mean, this is right out of the hillbillies, but it's happening today. And we have an article in the final call about sundown towns. We have a movie. Everyone's all a, a, a blast and people are raving about our brother, Jonathan Majors, the actor. Okay, but are you looking at his art and what he's calling attention to as he and um, Journey Smollett did in Lovecraft Country. That was entertaining, but they had real talk there being chased in these towns and it's happening today across America. And where we are is out of time as a people because we have had direct guide and guidance and warning and instruction from the man of God, whether we believe or not, we are in God's universe. And so when the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan tells us it's time to separate, you know, we get into some of us, this mindset of black stand over here, white stand over there. And that is not the case. His national spokesperson, may Allah be pleased, 
with her, student minister Dr. Ava Muhammad, has broken down and parsed and explained during her separate tour for us what that means. What does it look like? You have the Mormon community. They got Utah, but everybody who lives in Utah is not Mormon. But when you go into Utah, you are going to come under that atmosphere of law, right? And so when I talk about the issue of protest and to the call, brother, appreciating your call and you tuning in, but, hey, what do you mean? What do brothers in Los Angeles need to do? They need to be free like everybody else. There's nothing wrong with the brother rocking his low rider through the community. You have other um, our Latino and, and even uh, white brethren who love classic cars. They go through. You have Corvette cars. Why can't the brothers ride their low riders if they're not being a menace? And they're not. So why do black people, why do black men have to tuck their tails? put their heads down. That day is over. Now, when you talk about his brother William, I think what I'm receiving, you're saying, being civilized in a civilized society, well, yeah, that's what we got. We all must do that. But what do the black brothers in Los Angeles need to do? They need to join the FOI across the world. How about that? That's what needs to be done. But what is the question trying to incite? Otherwise, they just need to live their lives, walk their communities, make our communities a safe and decent place to live. But so that you can get to some of the other callers, I want to point this out. From point it out, sister. Point it out. Because I, I want everybody to know that she, she texts me, you guys, saying, we're not doing that slave stuff anymore, bird song. And I hear you, sister. I hear you. I hear well, you. you. It's, 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 such, it's such a situation where we don't even know how and when to breathe. Well, yes, we do. We forgot. And, Angela, we just don't want to listen. Listen, we, the honorable, and Brother William, I, you know, because you're our guest. But, look, the honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan is an example. He's the example. The honorable Elijah Muhammad is the example. We can look right there at successful men who came right out of our communities. They say, I didn't fall from heaven. I came right up from the earth with you, right out of our community. You know, but see, we love to, and we should, we should give gratitude and love and express what we do for our dear, beloved brother Malcolm and brother Muhammad Ali and many more, but they're, they're fruit from this tree. The Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan is a fruit from the tree. Why do we ignore the tree as black people? It's no way on earth I'm going to go lay down in front of police line talking about give me justice. I'm not knocking those who do that. Everybody has their way. Everyone has their place. But my question is, where is it getting us today? Okay? Because the key and what we have been told to do, and we are in the time of God's justice, and we are in the war of Armageddon, we must separate. And what we're seeing more and more is black unity, black pride, black family in terms of doing business with each other. And I don't mean just black skinned people. I mean the original family, the black, brown, red, yellow man, right? But we need to separate. Separate means we will never have peace with them as long as we live with them, we will live under them. It is not their nature. So teaches the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan to submit. Listen, this boy, I'm saying boy, yes, I'm just a country girl, but this young brother went to the police. And the question is raised, nobody in the town knows anything? The town is racist. They're in cahoots. Oh, they're most definitely in cahoots. So... I'd like to follow up with Sister Charlene. I would like to follow up with what you said, because that's where I was heading. You know, why must there be a war of Armageddon? The Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan said, because evil is spreading far and wide. And as we know, the God of righteousness is upset. And for those who follow the Bible, and of course the Quran has similar stories, but coming specifically from the Bible to the listeners who are familiar, uh, 
God is telling us to come out of her. Be not partakers of her sins, for they are reached unto heaven. And as you know, if you're on a sinking ship, we don't want to argue over rearranging furniture on the deck as it's going down. We need to start thinking about getting on the lifeboat. And, uh, you know, those who have ears, let them hear. But we have more than what we need to create that community uh, that can see about self. But I'm thinking that there's not much time that we have to decide what we're going to do because there is a time and we know what must be done and we got to see about it. And, and I agree wholeheartedly with Sister Charlene that we must follow examples that have been proven to work and the program of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad most certainly worked and works. And for those who don't want to be Muslim, so as they say, well, look at the program and follow it because we don't need to reinvent the wheel. We don't need to reinvent the wheel. It's been proven to work. So let's get together and make it happen. And that way we won't be out demanding respect and justice. We will be commanding respect and justice. And um, that's right. we need all hands on deck. Regardless of what we call ourselves or where we come from or whatever, we must have all hands on deck. All hands on deck. Sister Charlene. Let me point that out. Let me let me uh, add to what you're saying. Thank you, brother. Oh, and ho- hold on, callers. Hold on. We're going to do some rapid fire with you after Sister Charlene. Look, I mean, and I'm not talking about, you know, these beyond women of school are kind achieving what he has achieved in the lap of luxury. This man is continually stopped, denigrated, blocked, censured, and censored. A falsely labeled anti-Semitic. That just doesn't come with name calling, blocks from righteous work and, and earnings, you know, the nation of Islam. And oh, by the way, uh, members as well as those who come near to us, you too, you probably don't realize it. But despite all of that, despite all of that, has still been able to sacrifice and love us and humanity and continue to work for us and if and still reach success. Look at the Wind Trust Arena for February for Sages Day. Sold out. Oversold. Because some didn't make it it was just a whole lot of people wanting to be there. So I'm saying that I want to read this from uh Hari from Minister Farrakhan. Okay, actually, this is Sahari in Ahara. He says that we know that before the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, the great and honorable Marcus Garvey advocated separation. We know that Noble Drew Ali also spoke of separation. We know that the Communist Party back in the 20s and 30s also advocated separation. Actually, this is the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan talking during his message, the question of integration versus separation. And this was in 1980 in Illinois. He says, although decades have gone by since the principal advocate of separation stood up, the issue of separation became a great issue when President Abraham Lincoln was on the scene and other presidents after him when there was this constant battle of, one, should the descendants of African slaves in America stay and we become a part of the American way of life, or should we, as black people, leave and return to our own self, our own kind, our own people, and become an independent nation? This is in an article, Sundown Towns, in the final call. You can read more. But also, the issue is not people loading up a boat and going back to Africa. Our blood is here, our sweat is here, our tears are here. This is our country. And the Honorable Elijah Muhammad has been, it has been said, will, you know, make the statement. It'll be said, just take what you got and go. No, don't take anything. Just go. We're in that time. But, you know, not to frighten people. It's like separate your mind first, as I heard student minister Ava Muhammad say once. Come out of their way. Come out of killing each other, as Brother William said. I'm not here to preach. I'm just here to share the information, but I really, you know, when we start talking about appealing to them and please, oh, please, please stop doing this to us. No, we stop and we love each other. We will fix the pain of Rasheen Carter's mother and go down there and stand with her and we will get some justice. And that's God's justice. Thank you. We most definitely want to get. We most definitely want to get some justice. Yes, go, go, go ahead, brother. If I may quickly add. Um, 
Sister Charlene also reminded me of a verse from a Bob Marley song where it said, separate yourselves from mental slavery. None but ourselves can free our minds. And that's real talk. And to separate oneself from evil, to separate oneself from mental slavery, from the negative things that happen in society, has nothing to do with hatred. It's about love of self. And we have to begin to think of the power, again, of narratives and how narratives are defined. We define our own reality. We're not going to submit to a narrative created by someone else to dismiss a legitimate effort to rise above the condition we are in. Those days are over. Okay. All right. Um, Hello. Yes. We call it. Yeah. We have a caller on um, Abdul line four. Yes. Uh, welcome to Liberated Sisters. What is your question or your comment for us today regarding um, this matter? Yes, uh, uh, this is Abdul Shahid Muhammad. I'm calling from Holly Springs, Mississippi, and extended greetings to my sister Charlene Muhammad. Uh, I, I, there's a lot in my heart to say, but I know I only have a brief time. Um, we've been in touch with members of the Panther Party regarding Rashid Carter's uh, murder. Let's call it what it is. I don't want to beat around because 28 years of law enforcement experience tells me this. This young man was murdered, and the fact that they did not allow his family to see this body for over four months tells you that it's not only at the law enforcement level. It's in the district attorney's office. It's in the state's attorney's office. It's in the coroner's office. All of them are working in concert to stifle and stonewall this family. And since I've been working in Mississippi, this is almost the norm. I can tell you story after story where black and brown people have been killed in police custody, been killed in jails. I mean, been handled in such a way you just wouldn't believe it to the point to where black people in Mississippi, they feel like they're being held hostage. And one of the side effects of being held hostage for so long is you begin to suffer a psychological condition called infantilism to where they begin to act like children because it's a survival response, because you feel helpless, because you know you're not going to get justice. And I'm in agreement with Sister Charlene and 1,000%. We need to separate. Every ethnic group in this country has been able to come and bond themselves together in such a way that they create enclaves to insulate themselves from the broader society. They have their own towns. They have their own towns. And Brother Abdul, I know I'm interrupting you, but we are running out of time. And clearly we're going to have to do a part two. And when we do a part two, Brother, please call back in. Please. Can I say this real quickly? Yes, you got to say it real quickly because we got like seconds. Yes, ma'am. In the the Mississippi legislature, look up what's going on with Governor Tate Reeves and their intent to take over Jackson, Mississippi. And that'll help you understand a bit more clearly what's going on. Right. And we didn't right. get into that. The, right. The House, House Bill 1020, which um, right. um, 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 Brother Muhammad has in his most recent article on March 7th called Rebranding Jim Crow in the exactly. New South. We, we didn't even get into the, get into that part. But you guys, we're going to have part two next week. We're going to have part we're going to have part two next week for sure. Um, so join us back. Uh, with Liberated Sisters so we can continue this conversation for justice for Rashim Carter. Um, just want to thank everybody for, for joining us um, today, tuning in to Liberated Sisters. Thank you. Thank you, Brother William Muhammad, for, for joining us today. And thank you, Brother Abdul, for calling in and Sister Charlene for for reaching out to us today. Now, you can find Brother William Muhammad's articles on the finalcall.com, finalcall.com, and you can find Sister Charlene's um, there also. Thank you to Wendell Handy. If it's impacting our community or can lift us up as a people, let's talk about it. Peace.
Nation. You're listening to listener-sponsored KPFK, 90.7 FM in Los Angeles, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara. KPFK, powered by the people.